If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland, a mysterious, all-powerful character. What a crusade of law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comic Pop Returns and, of course, our show here on the Elseworlds Exchange. My guest today is Jim Zub. Jim, welcome back to the show, dude. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I feels very familiar. It's nice. It's yes. A, it's, it's a warm and welcoming space. Well, I'm glad like to hear it. it. <laughs> we like we like to make things comfy here at, uh, at, at Comic Pop Returns. Man, uh, you've been in the news in some great ways. I'm happy to talk about them. Uh, yeah. I want to jump into it. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty about thunderbolts yes there's a lot to talk about and of course you've worked on thunderbolts before you're coming back Mm -hmm. to thunderbolts now but uh 2022 is big year for you yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff going on it's yeah uh, it's it's a fun and kind of a wild ride there's a bunch of projects on the go i know Uh, i know yeah i was doing a a little bit of like a mystery list of things that i was posting on my social media i've kind of got like 10 different little (laughs) projects on the go here and there lots of DD stuff lots of all kinds of superhero stuff yeah great can we can we talk a little bit about the moon knight plans (laughs) <laughs> the moon knight plans yeah. um i can't go into too much detail on it. i did a short story for the um uh uh moon knight with black white red, and black blood. white and red yeah or blood yeah yes, yeah, that's it. yeah yeah and that was a ton of fun i actually got to do a short story with jabril morissette we did glitter bomb together yes and so it was amazing to team back up with him and he's a he was a phenomenal artist when we did glitter bomb uh both miniseries together and he's gotten even better since then yeah. so it was a ton of fun to be able to do uh a new story with him and do a little moon knight thing i've written moon knight before like i did uh, moon knight was in conan's serpent war yeah that was like a really fun little taste he's always been an amazing character i cannot believe you know i think it's like all the marvel stuff oh i know Maybe you see one of these characters <laughs> blowing up in the mainstream and you're like wow my mom knows who you know rocket raccoon is or like yes. whatever like that's where we're at now with moon knight like everyone suddenly tells you he's their favorite character and you're like that's cool <laughs> you know yeah good to know yeah yeah, yeah every, awesome. every character is going to get there going to get their yeah. confidence i've had a, i've had a long-standing history with sleepwalker where i'm like every time i talk about <laughs> a character i'm like sleepwalkers one day he's going to get his due yeah because there's an idea there's a vertigo pitch for sleepwalker there's just waiting in the wings for somebody to launch that character out <laughs> wait a vertigo out. that's a different i know, different I know. Publisher well, I was, entirely here. i use Look. vertigo as like a as like a uh, a concept you know it's like a vertigo-esque pitch where it's like you get some, <laughs> right? some kevich art on this alien that it possesses you but uh, i'm telling you every character will come around they'll get their day in the sun it's crazy when i think about you know I've still got a, a set just here on the shelf behind me. I've got a set of the uh, deluxe, uh, you know, official handbook of the Marvel universe. Yeah. And I will flip through it sometimes, not necessarily because I want to use the character because that's from the eighties, but it'll remind <laughs> me about a character and then I'll look them up on the Marvel wiki and that'll get me down a rabbit hole of whatever happened to so-and-so. Yeah. And sometimes just seeing the evolution of the characters in the comics is crazy. And then every so often I'll trip across one of them and go, oh, right, Agatha, Agatha Harkness or something. You're like, everyone knows who this character is now. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's so weird. Like, that is, is such a deep-cut character, or so you'd think. Yeah. And now, you know, they're not, which is Dude, kind of amazing. Yeah. That, uh, that handbook, man, is such an amazing resource, and it's got so many different, like, roles to play throughout marvel yes. history i know uh what was it dimatteis talks about how one time he was leafing through the handbook and he came across craven the hunter yeah. and in it he was like apparently he's russian and that gave him the idea to do craven's last right. hunt it's like wow like someone and it's just someone that marvel wrote 
I guess he's Russian, you know, because that's right, just... right. Well, and this is what's amazing about so those books are an incredible snapshot of a, a, a point in time, of a time, in yes, of continuity. But what was great about them was, as for me as a kid, they were so exhaustive because you couldn't afford the back issues and there was no trade paperback program. Totally. Like when I was a kid, there was a handful of trades that you would see in stores. There was the Dark Phoenix Saga was in trade, Longshot was in trade, yeah, um, like the death of Gwen Stacy, maybe. Hmm. I don't even know. And and like Craven's Last Hunt, like Craven's Fearful Last Symmetry. And, yeah. and that was it on the Marvel front, it felt like. Yeah. Um, and so every bit of scrap of knowledge I got of stuff that was, you know, any comic that was more than ten dollars, I was never going to be able to afford. Clearly. <laughs> exactly. And ten dollars was like a lot. Really that was like thirty dollars now. <laughs> yeah, like what are you talking about? So for me, it was like, you know, anything about the past of these characters, their history, their interconnectivity, when you would see those little asterisks and caption that says C issue, whatever, all I had was the handbook. So it it had a mythic quality that that filled in those gaps for me. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. But uh, the reason why I haven't brought it up was because on your website, you mentioned that you had an 18 year old pitch. Oh, yeah. So that's not no, that's not a Moon Knight pitch. That wasn't oh, wasn't in Moon Knight. No, I'm sorry. No, it's not. So the, I do have an 18-year-old pitch that is going to be uh, – it's so crazy. A friend of mine and I – I don't want to reel too much, but I got to – we will do – we will totally do – we could probably do a whole episode about this when it finally gets announced. Cool. Um, 18 years ago, I had this crazy uh, uh, pitch that I put together with a friend of mine who's also a writer. And we ended up – because I was working at the Udon studio, we pitched it to Joe Quesada because he was the editor-in-chief at Marvel for a potential for a Marvel Max project. Oh, and pitched it. And the response back we got essentially was, this is kind of neat. Who are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally reasonable. I had no comic writing credits. There's no possible way this thing should have, we shouldn't have even been able to pitch the thing, but we were right, yeah. like, how did I get this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is this? Right. And, and uh, I pitched it a couple different times as I've gotten Marvel credits and things. I've kind of brought it up like, Oh, this would be cool. This would be cool. Mm -hmm. And it's never gotten any traction. And then last year, through the weirdest sort of email chains of discussions, I was like, I think this is relevant again. And I threw it, just threw it, like lobbed it into the middle of this conversation. And all of a sudden there was interest. And then I went back, opened up this, you know, 18 year old document and went, whoo, this is a little rough on the edges. Jim's a bit of a better writer now. And, and told my buddy, I was like, I'm pitching this. Uh, and he just laughed. He's like, wouldn't that be crazy? And then like two weeks later, we got the green light on it. No and way. So, this thing is uh, coming out of the mothballs. I'm really pumped. Originally, it was going to come out uh, early summer. Now it looks like it's being pushed back to the fall. They want to give it a bit more room. And it's not sure. super, as you might imagine, with an 18-year-old pitch, it's not time relevant to current continuity as much. <laughs> right. You, you, it, 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 it's malleable. There's, it's yeah. fungible. Yeah, there's some there's some some space there. So, uh, yeah, once that thing gets announced, man, it's, uh, it's such a, a trip for me to see this finally coming to life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I got to bring my buddy in on it too, which has been great. I called him up. I'm like, we're co-writing it. That was the original plan. So we got to, we got to hold to it, which is great. That's so nice. That's such, yeah. that's such yeah. a, uh, you know, you didn't have to do that. And it's, I think that's such a testament to like who you are as a creative and a character is like, oh, just thanks, like, man. Hey man, like, you know, Hey, uh, yeah. You know, that 18 year old pitch we worked on together that we pitched <laughs> together that we like said, Marvel, Hey, can you do this? We, uh, I'm, I'm taking it and I'm going to yeah. own it. And uh, you know, you can well, read it when it comes out. Maybe I'll send you a copy. I told him I was pitching it. He's like, I'd forgotten about it. You probably could have gone ahead and done it on your own. Sure. Like, no, man, it's ours. This will be great. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's been fun working with him too. And 
it's been a real nostalgia bomb. Uh, oh, sure. Can't can't wait to have people kind of see this thing come together. Thunderbolts feels like a nostalgia bomb. <laughs> Big time. No, and let me tell you something. When they announced Thunderbolts, when they were yeah. like, when they dropped the bomb, I was like, wow, look at the reaction. Because people were like, they it's like they'd never seen Thunderbolts in 25 years. <laughs> you know, people were like, Thunderbolts! Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's cool. I'm, I'm excited for Thunderbolts. Sure. So don't get me wrong, but like, it, it was only a couple of years ago the last Thunderbolts book was out, but apparently it's been like it's been a long time coming. This has been like, and now the Thunderbolts, of course, is uh, being reestablished in Devil's Reign, which right. hasn't finished yet. So right, you gotta keep right. that in mind. It's, uh, uh, it's so true. I I always have this weird thing because I've keep Chip and I, uh, you know, uh, one of the reasons why this iteration of the Thunderbolts exists is because of Devil's Reign yeah. and our ability to spin out of that. But I know where things have been going for quite a while. And it's this weird feeling of like, right, don't say anything spoilery. That last issue of Devil's Reign has got some crazy good stuff in it. Plus, there's going to be a Devil's Reign Omega, which is like a, a, a transition to a bunch of different things. And that's the springboard for the new Daredevil relaunch and also our Thunderbolts and a couple other things that are in the mix. So nice. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we should start by just describing what we're doing with Thunderbolts. Like, what's yes. the, where, where did it come from and 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 why this team? Right. Right. It's like, right. This is, so this is kind of the fun of the Thunderbolts is like, who's on it. Right. Oh, totally. Right. So the original Thunderbolts way back in the day, we're talking about <clears throat> the mid nineties uh, is yeah. essentially um, a group of criminals. They were in disguise. They were uh, Baron Zemo's masters of evil in disguise, pretending to be heroes and filling in a bit of a gap when the um, uh, Heroes Reborn stuff happened, when the, yes, Avengers, the, the Avengers Fantastic Four got pulled away. Yeah. <clears throat> they filled in the gap uh, there, built up a bunch of trust with other heroes in the Marvel Universe, and then were revealed to be villains. But by the time that happened, a bunch of those villains realized they didn't want to be villainous anymore. That being a hero was kind of nice. It was way being better. Like they're not getting punched regarded. all the time. They're winning most of the time. They're actually winning finally. Yeah. Absolutely. And so some of them decided to take those identities and make them kind of permanent or try and genuinely reform themselves. They end up fighting against Baron Zemo and going off breaking off onto their own some of them still have villainous tendencies some of them are still you know pulling off their own kind of schemes and capers on the side they can't help but fall back into those old roles and it's it was such a fun concept and it was such one of still the best kind of reveals i yeah. think in comicdom because they managed to keep it a secret because it kind of exploded out in the fandom as, oh my God, look what they did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That it carries a lot of cachet. And I think a lot of fans have uh, a real, you know, heartfelt attachment to that surprise and to the way that played out. The difficulty of course is how do you make a new series that is going to grab readers and to generate excitement and stuff like that. And you can't just go back and do the same thing again. And that's yeah. the, I, you know, uh, so many writers, I think we all feel such a heartfelt connection to certain storylines or certain iterations of the characters. And yeah. so your first instinct is, well, that's when I thought the character was cool. So we'll just hit the we'll rewind button. We'll just do button. that again. We'll yeah. just do that again. We'll just, you know, more Dark Phoenix Saga or like whatever, you know, like, sure. like that. that's the biggest and the best. And who wouldn't want to be associated with the biggest and the best? So I'll try and do that thing again. And it's right. like... um. 
it's almost impossible to, to catch that again. It's almost impossible to make that happen again. And so you've got to try and iterate. You've got to try and evolve. So I actually wrote the Thunderbolts in 2016, 2017, in a lead up to Secret Empire. And it was essentially the original lineup, except instead of Baron Zemo leading the team, it was Bucky Barnes. It was the right. Winter Soldier. And so he was this leader trying to take these ostensibly, you know, criminals uh, and, and utilize them as he was what at the time he was something called the man on the wall. He was watching yeah. out over the world and all these extra dimensional or extraterrestrial threats. And uh, he could essentially use the Thunderbolts because they had nowhere else to go. And, uh, you know, he could kind of pull them together as a band and, and try and keep them focused on this task. And if they died along the way, well, at least they were doing something heroic, you know, yeah. and, and he could, they could do some morally gray stuff and no one's going to question the mission. Right. So sure. it was a fun group to work with. I had a ton of fun work on it. It was my first Marvel, you know, in continuity, uh, uh, superhero credit. Um, had a blast putting that series together. And it was a really cool thing to be able to do that lead into Secret Empire. As much as I would love to just say, yep, let's do that again, that's not possible. You know what I mean? And yeah. so when we were looking at, okay, Devil's Reign has got a lot of cool pieces going on. And one of those pieces is the fact that Wilson Fisk has his own team of Thunderbolts. He's taken this idea of the criminal team and kind of front loaded it. He's put a bunch of criminals together deputized them because he's the mayor of new york and said these guys are the law they can arrest costumed heroes they can enforce the law you know as they see fit for the most part and they're corrupt and they're awful and they're terrible <clears throat> but in the mix i realized that there was a kind of a potent thing there both clint barton and luke cage have previously been leaders of the thunderbolts and both yeah. of them ostensibly did it under the form of redemption. So when after Zemo, like in Kurt Busiek's original run with Bagley as the artist, after Zemo gets kind of kicked out and or the team rejects him, uh, Clint ends up joining the team because he's a former villain. Before he became an Avenger, way, 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 way back when, he was a villain for uh, and understands kind of where they were coming from and wants to help them reform. And so I'm like, Hawkeye's got a stake in this team. He's got a stake in that name. And so does Luke Cage. Luke Cage was leader of the Thunderbolts for a time when they were essentially probably the closest iteration they've been to what a lot of people compare them to, the, the Suicide Squad, where they were yeah. like prisoners who were trying to reform themselves and he was trying to make them into a real team and, and yep. do better with them, essentially. And so I'm like, well, you know, Luke Cage is uh has skin in the game and you know clint's got skin in the game they don't want the last word on thunderbolts to be wilson fisk's awful corrupted version they're going to try and make something better so out of the ashes of you know devil's reign and the way that thing all plays out i can't tell you exactly of course <laughs> but you'll Fair. find out very soon as the last issue hits um there's a chance for a new version of the team and because of the way the law is right now in new york the Thunderbolts, in theory, are the only official sanctioned superhero team. And so passing new laws or getting these things overturned is difficult and time consuming. You can't just flip a switch. Right. Uh, so let's use the existing structure. The Thunderbolts are allowed to exist. So let's make the Thunderbolts the real New York <laughs> superhero team. 
And yeah. so that's kind of what they've been formed in my uh, series here. So when I kind of pitched this idea to Tom Brevoort and C.B. Sobolski, they thought it was really fun. What kind of a lineup can we put together and how can we mix, you know, old and new and kind of fun uh, ingredients together? So I was like, okay, Clint is, you know, Hawkeye, he's at the center of this whole thing. He desperately wants to get back to where he was what he thinks of as his prime, right? Like when mm. he was leader of the West Coast Avengers and he had his kind of chart his own destiny and things were going well in his life as far as, you know, yeah, that's in his head where things worked well. Like the, the, the fraction kind of era is all about this guy who's struggling with himself. And there's still ingredients to that that I think are very relevant. But in my head, it's like, you know, Clint's having a bit of a midlife crisis. And so he's like, I want to make the, the West Coast Avengers. That's when things were good. Yeah. And then, uh, Luke Cage comes to him and goes, Hey, it's not the West Coast Avengers, but let's do this. And it's like, Yeah, okay, I can do that. That's I good. can own that. Yeah. Yeah, we can make this happen. And it's all the barriers and all the 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 challenges that are going to come up against him to try and make that happen. Yeah. And so the team that we put together is literally. I didn't want to have any of the West Coast Avengers because Clint doesn't quite get his way. He doesn't get to pick the members per se. Well, that, that, <clears> he's got to work point. with. Yeah, yeah, what he's given. Well, because that's a great place for that character because, you know, he's he's got a goal. He's trying to accomplish it. You know, every time you look at a protagonist, you're like, what does he want? What does he need? In yep. this case, if he had any characters that he could rely on, that he could fall back on, you know, he would just slip right into that mode of West Coast yep. Avengers. Whereas yep. this, he has to constantly be reimagining and, and, and reforming and, and coming up with new ways to strategize and work with different people. And as a result, he'll change the character and grow and or or not, you know, and that's right. The, that's the fun yeah, of and, the journey, yeah, right? Exactly, right? And that's what I'm really excited about. So we put together this this team that's a kind of uh, really eclectic and funky in that way. Yeah. So Tom came back to me and said, okay, they, most of them should be New York-based because that's how they're going to kind of orient it. Like, this is New York's team. These are your people, you know, <clears throat> and they're, they're fighting for you kind of thing. And so sure. uh, America Chavez just wrapped up that miniseries that was last year and that ends with her in New York city. So I was like, Oh, this is a natural fit. Plus there's that idea of, you know, New York team and she's called America for crying out loud. The branding is so strong. Like we're going to utilize that. That'll be great. Um, and then we were looking at, okay, <clears throat> in devil's reign, there's the, the purple children and things like yeah. that. The purple man has got this, you know, brutal reputation. And I looked and realized, Oh, Kara Kilgrave, the purple girl, who's from way back. Uh, she originally appeared in Alpha Flight and all kinds of stuff like this. <laughs> She's still around. She's in New York City because the last time she showed up was in the uh, Jessica Jones Digital First series. Ah. And they say that she's in New York City. And I was like, oh, okay. She can't live a normal life. She's literally got bright purple skin. The kids and, and Kilgrave and all that have kind of ruined her ability to carry on a normal, like any hope of, of of being able integration. to yeah, just, integrate just, or blend in she's not gonna yeah. work at the bank yeah right and so now it's like well if you can't be normal better to be a celebrity you know what i mean better to be out yeah. in front of it plus they look and they go well we need a mentalist on the team and she's really potent and this could be really useful and she's in new york city so <laughs> it all kind of ties in in a fun way there luke cage is looking and going okay there's this young power man you know, Victor Alvarez, and they haven't always gotten along with each other, but mm -hmm. this is sort of the best they've been in a while. And the kid doesn't have direction right now. And he's using the name Power Man. I don't want it to go to waste. 
Right. <laughs> put him on the team. Let's see what he can do. Let's put it, make it a real proven ground for him. You yeah. Know, stuff like that. And it's like, okay, that really worked out well. You know, Monica has been on the Mighty Avengers with Luke. And on top of that, she's been on the Ultimates with America Chavez. They need like a powerhouse. She's an energy, you know, emitter and all this kind of stuff. It's like, oh, this is going to work really well. Yeah. And it sure as heck doesn't hurt. Obviously, you've got the fact, you know, Hawkeye was just in a Disney Plus show. You've got, you know, Monica was just in WandaVision. And then yeah. America Chavez is going to be in Doctor Strange too. It's like, I don't mind loading the deck a little bit in that. And it all right. fits story-wise. Like, I think that these things can be harmonious. You can do both things. You yeah. can say, yeah, of course, these characters who are going to have a profile boost, I, I would like those characters in my team. And if there's a continuity reason I can make it all fit as well, that's even, even better, even stronger. Yeah. Well, not only right, that, you, you know, you got this, the, the, not all these characters have like a mini series or a trade paperback right. that you can make available. So if they're going to be in the public eye and if there's like any kind of crossover from movies yeah. and TV into comics, this is going to be their avenue. And Hey, it also gives them exposure to the brand, the Thunderbolts. Maybe they can go yep. back, pick up the old books and they can get on a team book and be exposed to new characters as well you um, got it. Speak, yep. speaking of new characters this there's a brand new character that was also yes. added to the team Can there's actually two new this? characters yeah That's there's right. two right. characters one in issue one and there's one in issue two that okay we're doing and those were just like it was this fun kind of thing where we were talking about a bunch of different elements when i was talking to cb about this in particular we were talking about you know it's fun to have new characters in the mix and he's like don't be afraid to create something as well like you don't just mm. have to i love continuity and, and yeah tom and cb know i love pulling the threads on like a character like persuasion who's really pretty obscure when you get right down to it or something like that the purple girl you know yeah. um but but it's fun to make stuff too and so we were kind of going back and forth remember how fun it was in the 90s they would just drop a character in a series like a mystery <laughs> man like a cable or whatever and how yes. fun that was and mm -hmm. i was thinking oh man yeah when i was a kid it seems corny now but it was really enticing as a kid like to have a new character go well what are they all about well keep reading oh you know, yeah. well keep reading that's fun stuff and so i said i kind of want to make a mystery man like i want to have a character who we're going to lean into some of those corny tropes but like play it straight like yeah it's, it's hokey but it's not and so that's this character his code name is guts and glory and he is a cyber soldier of some sort and he's got these uh you know elements that are very very front-loaded 90s like tip our hat yep this is what you think it is and exactly yet, how can we give it a bit of a twist how can we surprise you with this character as we go forward so yeah. even the characters in the cast They've got, oh yeah, so there's Gutson right there in the middle mm -hmm. beside Persuasion. Um, <laughs> and and what's super fun about it for me is the fact you've got this character who is, uh, you know, the response I got from people was, oh my God, that's so amazing, which is like, perfect, great. No, people nice. was, oh yeah. my God, that's so corny. And I'm like, yes, it is. Like that's, right. like, you that's get it. the point, see? <laughs> and they're sort of like, no, but don't you think that's a little hokey? And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. That's the whole point. Like, Did you, did you see the pouches? Yeah, like, that's yeah. The, the joke, see? But the other thing, too, is that when characters go, oh, that name is really lame. I'm like, the name Batman is very lame as well when you think <laughs> about it. If you strip away decades and decades of your nostalgia and the visual iconography and all these things that you think of as that character, the emotional qualities that it summons within you, that's corny. Like, right. it, it, these things are corny as a precept. Superman is corny. Spider-Man is corny. Cable is corny wolverine as much as you think of as wolverine is the ultimate badass character 
and the animal Wolverine is dorky and weird looking. Like it's, you know, <laughs> but we've yeah. turned it into the scariest, most monstrous, violent thing because yeah. of pop culture, right? Because right. of the way we look at it, you know? Yeah. In the same way that we've created an icon. When I say the word Roadrunner, you don't think of the real bird. You think of the Looney Tunes character. Yeah. That has generated its own identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying Guts and Glory is the next uh, like Roadrunner and yeah. or Cable or Batman, but I'm saying it is has all the potential to be whatever it can be. Like, sure. it's a story that we're going to tell and hopefully people like it and they see the nods and the jokes and the wink and they have fun with it. Yeah. And if we can actually surprise you and make this character a little more uh, deeper than you might imagine, then that's a win in my book. You know what I mean? Definitely. And yeah. even if people just look and go, oh, that's silly. Yeah, man, Deadpool's silly too. And right. Gwenpool's a silly version of a silly thing. Like they're all just having fun. And that's exactly. kind of the whole point of it. And then the other character who shows up in issue two, and now the solicits are out, we can talk about it, is just like a throwback Jack Kirby style monster character. Like I okay. love those classic monsters. And when I was going through and researching, I wanted to have a Kirby monster. Yeah, this mm -hmm. guy here. He's called Egro, Egro the Unbreakable. Okay, all right. I and didn't was, know that this character's name. I, I, I honestly, I thought he was going to be like a like a because of force perspective. I was like, is he like a my pet monster kind of character who's just no? Like, well, he is small. Okay, but uh, but he thinks he's big and he acts like he's big <laughs> and he's got the attitude of a big monster mm -hmm. and he is quite dangerous in his own regard. And so I was looking through a bunch of the old Kirby monsters and I realized it was like, oh, that I want these kinds of traits and it would be cool if we had this sort of thing. And I was, I couldn't quite find the right combination. And that's where Tom Brevoort's like, just make one. Just right. make all the things you want. Don't try and form one into it. Don't try and put a, you know, square peg in a circular hole. Yeah. Just make another monster from Monster Island. I was like, oh, yes, that right. is the it... best of all worlds. Why wouldn't <laughs> I just do that? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Sean Isaac, who's drawing the series and he's done these new costume designs and characters, he has been having so much fun because he, I, you know, I said, we got to make two new characters. We're going to make Guts and Glory and Egro the Unbreakable. And he's like, oh, it's going to be so awesome. And he goes, well, can I do costumes for everyone? I'm like, do you have yeah. time? And he's like, not really, but I really want to. You know, like <laughs> new new series is always a great place to have a jumping on point with, with costumes. And he's like, you know, I get the Fractionaja stuff with the t-shirt and the simple, yeah. you know, urban look, but it's like, wouldn't it be cool to have a bit of a, a throwback? Like, I love the classic Archer outfit. Can we do something in that vein? And yeah. I was like, I'm up for it if you are, man. Like, let's do it. And so he came up with a new Hawkeye costume um, and and wanted it to have some of those notes of the older, you know, kind of Hawkeye. And then he's like, oh, we'll do the classic mask. And I said, well, see, no one has a mask because they're public heroes. Right. No one gets a mask. So one of the things that happens and one of the issues is Hawkeye actually has a mask. And then their PR person comes and says, no, 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 you can't do that. Like we are the public face of New York's, you know, superhero system. Like yeah. you can't, everyone knows who you are. You guys all have public identities. You're doing this thing. Like you've got to be out in the public space. But that also means, for example, they have to be answerable to the public. So one of the things we have in one of the, in, in, I think in issue two, we've got a press scrum where all of a sudden, after they've finished a mission, successfully <laughs> or not, you now are getting asked questions by the press. And it's like, <laughs> oh, what is this all about? Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Hawkeye's got to sit in front of these reporters and just get, you know, uh, uh, yeah, and follow up questions. And, 
if he says something off the cuff and they go, well, that's not true, you know, or like stuff yeah. like this. And, and so that was a really fun thing for me to do as well, to take that kind of a little bit of that celebrity idea and the media concept and trying not to make it like, <clears throat> I didn't just want to have, I don't want to have terminology where it feels like, Oh, this can only happen in 2022. Like yeah. the idea of the press is pretty universal, you know? Sure. Oh and yeah. So how definitely. do we, how do we kind of frame that in a fun way where Hawkeye is focused on, okay, I need team synergy and we have to be successful on the field. And now there's this whole PR spin angle he's not used to dealing with. Yeah. And, you know, literally the taxpayers who are looking and going, don't blow the budget, don't blow right. the budget. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, and all the government sort of systems that are built into these things that he doesn't want to address but is but, a part of the job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is I wanted I wanted an Avengers West Coast. I don't want to do this. This yeah, is yeah. This, yeah, so you're putting him into this space that he has to evolve and change. Yep. Will we be getting like a Trent Crim independent kind of character? In the <laughs> so, it's so funny you mentioned that one of the things I said early on and in my original document pitch was this is, you know, uh, uh Avengers by way of Ted Lasso. And so and I have been very uh hard on my sleeve about that. Like Yeah. Clint is our Ted character who's leading up this squad where he's, I wouldn't say he's as unqualified as Ted Lasso, but he's definitely up against a lot of uh, outside forces. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that was very much in that thing in, in some kind of ways, you know, uh, guts and glory is a bit of our Roy Kent. And like, there are some definite parallels there that I think mm -hmm. are really fun. And, and I'm having a lot of fun playing into so that if you know the show, you will kind of get a, a get cute nod of it. Yeah, but it's yeah. still its own thing. Do of you course. Know what I mean, it's still oh, doing yeah. its own thing. Like as much as, you know, Dan Slott's Silver Surfer was clearly a love letter to, you know, all the stuff that he loves about Doctor Who, it was yeah. still its own book, right? Sure. And that's yeah, kind of oh, how... Yeah. yeah, and if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. Like if right. you weren't right. aware, you you just enjoy the run uh, yeah. as, it's, as itself. So, so for yeah. me, it's like, yeah, I'm putting some Ted Lasso in here because I love the show and I love the way that it wears its heart and that it's a feel good. There's a comedy element to it. Now, in this case, instead of sports, obviously it's super heroics, but I think there's a lot of cool parallels there. And there's a lot of that kind of underdog sort of goodness that we can bring to the mix. And that's well, been a lot of fun. And you got a lot of underdogs on this team. I mean, like, yeah. you, I remember the big push for Power Man and how, uh, you know, maybe he didn't get the success that people were hoping for. And right. maybe this opportunity for him to be rede not redeemed, but maybe yeah, like yeah. another shot, you know, take another shot. You know, these well, are and that's the thing that's so podcast, fascinating. Right? So, one of the things it says is like, you know, redemption of justice like lightning. And that's kind of the whole idea is that Hawkeye, Fe like, did you read Freefall? Uh, Hawkeye Freefall? Oh, God. Which one was it, free fall? So that was the one uh, it, Rosenberg wrote it. And it's like Hawkeye has to do some crazy nasty stuff in that miniseries. It's the last kind of solo no, Hawkeye project. Fall. You should yeah. get a read. It's really good. I should, yeah. And it is pretty dark in spots. And Hawkeye <laughs> has to make some really nasty choices. And this is the first kind of platform for him post free fall. Gotcha. And so a lot of people are like, are you going to address <laughs> the, the, the mess up things he committed? <laughs> that the Avengers don't want to talk to him and all this other stuff. And it's like, yeah. yeah and like people died, like bad things happen. And uh, I think on first blush, when people saw this announcement, they're like, Oh, they're just sweeping that under the carpet. Oh no, I'm a continuity wank. I got to yeah. do all the things. So yeah, there's some, there's some chains trailing behind 
uh, you know, behind the Hawkeye, he's got a he's got some cleaning to do. Let's put it that way, and uh, that's going to be interesting. And the press will pick up on, and you know, other things like that. Like, yeah, he can't just run away from that stuff as well. And the same thing holds true with you know, the Purple Girl is you know, like Kilgrave's daughter, like that. That is going to be something for the gossip papers. That's oh, totally that needs to be dealt with, you know, and all these kinds of elements that I think are going to be fun to kind of lean into. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, we're having a, a a fun time with that sort of stuff too, where we're playing with the front-facing elements of the characters and then the private elements of the characters, very much in I think that kind of Ted Lasso way, where every character is struggling. Some of it outward, some of it inward, and sometimes yeah. combinations of those elements. You know, there's a hallmark to uh, the 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 kind of work that you provide when it comes to Avengers and Avengers adjacent teams, and that is this element of like hopefulness and Thanks, joy, yeah. and uh, like, like you notice it from. I mean, uh, not to disparage any comparable work, but more to the point of like when you see something like No Way Home or. Right. Uh, no, no road home. I'm sorry. I'm so. Yeah. I'm so no, no, no. No way home has. It's still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No road home. No surrender. No road home. No yep. surrender. Yep. Like you know, just this kind of like unabashed joy of being like, hey, remember how much fun the Avengers yep. were, and how much yep. I remember all this stuff, and how we're not going to throw it away. Um, that's it's just here's another really fun like let's 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 joyfully play with these with these action figures. Yeah, and, and say and, something kind of like not, prof- not if if not profound, uh, meaningful. Right. And that we can move the ball forward with the characters and we're never pretending the past didn't happen or stuff like that. And I get it. Like it's, it is easier in a lot of ways to just go, I don't care what happened before. This is what's happening now. Happens all the time. For me, like an issue number one does have to be new reader friendly, but I can do both. And I feel like the books that I've always enjoyed have done it both where you read and you go, what do I need to know to be where I am now? This character did some bad stuff and now they're trying to do better cool. If I need to know the blow by blow of it, I can go back and check. But what I really need to know is where their headspace is now and why in the sense of because bad things happened before or because they made this terrible choice or because they, they're trying to get back to who they were or any of those kinds of character personality aspects, you know? Yeah. And so for me, it's like, I feel like you can do both. And when it, I'm not just blowing smoke here. Like I feel like Thunderbolts number one is the best single superhero issue I've written so far. Like, because I feel like no surrender has awesome moments, Uh, you know, working with Alan Mark and everyone on the team was so much fun. And I feel like we synergized really well. And I feel like I've done like the school shooting issue of champions is probably the most heartfelt issue I've done as a single kind of done in one story. But in terms of like taking all the feelings I had reading comics growing up, like this is why I love superheroes. These are the fun kind of ongoing stories. And these are the, the things in their way. These are the challenges that they're up against where there's big action. Every character gets to kind of do something and have a spotlight moment. Uh, We set the table for future stories. We generate a bunch of momentum and you are both new reader friendly. Like you can jump in, even if you didn't read Devil's Reign, even if you've never read any of the previous Thunderbolt stuff, but you know that this is not, that stuff has come before. Right. And that it's part of an ongoing Marvel universe, you know? Exactly. And it feels like to me this, it all kind of came together. And I, like I sent the first script in and I was like, yeah, this is the book that I as a reader would have loved to read growing up. This is the kind of team dynamics and, 
a little bit of romance and a little bit of comedy and a lot of action that I look for in a book. And so yeah. if I'm happy as a creator, I hope that that enthusiasm comes through in the the readership that people go, wow, this is something fun and special. Like, and, and hopefully a little bit of a curveball. Like I remember when, um, Spencer's uh, uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man came out and people are like, yeah. where did this book come from? This is come so much out fun. Out of complete left field. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. like who, who, who asked for a Superior Foes of right, Spider-Man right. book? And, and yet what a fun and, ride, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and that's, I think without that, you don't get Spencer on Spider-Man. Right, right, absolutely. And so for me, it's like, I'm kind of putting... I haven't front loaded a lot of comedy in my superhero writing. I did a lot. I mean, Skull Kickers was my breakout book in image. I've done a lot of comedy stuff and I've yeah. always had little snippets of it or little nods or cute little interactions. And this isn't like a guffaw slapsticky book, but I'm like putting more of that in there because I feel like it's appropriate and it, it hits all these things and the, the slightly bumbling quality of, Oh my God, this isn't the team I want, but this is the team I've got we've got to make this work. So the villains that I'm picking for them to go up against are oddballs. And that's where I can just pull stuff from the threads of the official handbook of the Marvel universe. Or like, <laughs> Whatever happened to, you know, fill in the blank and let's sure. throw those in the mix. Or wouldn't that be, you know, a good time. The first yeah. issue, we have the easiest villains of all. Uh, they have to round up Wilson Fisk's Thunderbolts, right? Oh, great. So it's Thunderbolts versus Thunderbolts right in the first issue, which I think yeah. is a ton of fun. And you get to see totally different kind of dynamics and play, you know, going on there. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and you get to play with the whole team thing where it's like, this yeah. is how this team gels this is how this team gels. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're both chaotic. One's made of villains, so they're not going to gel well, well together. This is made of heroes, but they also don't work together well. So, yeah. And I think one of the things that's also really fun, uh, you know, like Clint really hates John Walker. Like yeah. they do not like each other at all, which makes it, there's a nice little bit of a loggerheads there, which is a lot of fun. Sure. So back on the West Coast Avengers, they literally got into like a, you know, oh. fist fights. Yeah. Yeah. Really, it's awesome stuff like that. So we've got some fun throwbacks with that as well. That's great. Their, their egos are kind of slamming into each other. Now so, you, yeah. you talked a little bit about legacy and legacy teams mm -hmm. uh, and the building of a legacy team. And this is uh, like kind of propelling the, the brand, the concept of Thunderbolts forward. Yeah. Um, where, uh, where, where do you find these challenges like to to get to this next phase and to kind of go, well, this is what came before. This is where we're going f right. forward. And like, this is the kind of like DNA I want to infuse into the, into the kind of book we're making. I think, you know, making peace with the fact that I can't be Kurt Busick and, you know, <laughs> and Sean isn't Mark Bagley. Like that's totally not possible. And we right. can't surprise you in that way. So don't even try because yeah. all you're going to be is a poor man's, photocopy of a photocopy right totally the book was brilliant the reveal was amazing okay you can't do that in the book so let's make something you know as New. fun or as entertaining or as exciting as possible and yeah. go into it with both feet and go we're gonna make this kind of a thing and really try and build it and so for yeah. me it's like okay you know, I've got to be happy as a reader I've got to be happy as a creator like is there enough ingredients here for drama are there the ingredients for, you know, action? Do we have places for characters to go? One of the difficulties of working with whatever you want to call the A-list characters is it's very hard to change them without, you know, people flipping out, oh, let sure. alone just to change them just to get approval on it. You know, yeah. one of the things I, you know, I know a lot of people 
Dan Slott's run on Amazing Spider-Man is one of my favorites in recent memory because mm-hmm. Dan always took big swings. And, and yeah. even like the vast majority of them worked brilliantly. And the odd time that it wasn't like 100%, I would just look and go, you know what? I would not have thought to do that. I would yeah. not have taken that risk with the flagship character of Marvel. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and he always did. And it's like, it was always clear he was willing to to try something and you're yeah. like for a character with that kind of hundreds and hundreds of stories and you're still surprising us you're still iterating on them and pushing them into new areas yeah I mean, those are where you're going to get those special stories you know if you say well you can never bring back bucky barnes and now intimately tied to the character of captain america is the concept of the winter soldier and it seems inseparable to yeah. what makes captain america great and that was a thou shalt not kind of rule at Marvel yeah. for the longest time, right? And yeah. so that's not to say, therefore, you know, drown the baby in the bathwater and every single, you know, big idea or crazy idea is the right one. Right. Uncle Ben's still, on the Thunderbolts. Like, we're not. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you still need to justify it dramatically. You still exactly. need to. But don't throw it out just because it seems like it's crazy. Or don't just say, well, it's going to suck because you you're doing something different you're like yeah "Eh, judging on its own merits right and so Mm -hmm. for me the easiest thing would have been to say okay well let's grab the original team lineup and it's like i did that in 2016 2017 i had a ton of fun doing it um well what else have we got well how can we make this thing function and be something different and you know okay these aren't going to be villains on the face of it is the thunderbolts always about villains or is the thunderbolts about redemption right yeah the original thunderbolts are about villain they are villains but the series is really about redemption isn't it like it's about trying to figure out what heroism is or what your value is or whether or not you always have to be what maybe you thought you were or what everyone else told you you were yeah and that the thunderbolts is about kind of railing against expectations of identity and it's about trying even when you're on your back feet all the time and it's about screwing up and then picking yourself up like those are things that i feel like the original thunderbolts run has and really good versions of the team or really good stories within the team's run have had and so i said big picture that's what i think the thunderbolts is so we can do something that feels true to the thunderbolts even though it's not the lineup you expect even though it's not the characters you expect and we can still carry forward the legacy of the team in a really interesting way. And hopefully, obviously, in a successful way. Oh, sure. Of course. And when people ask me, they go, well, sure, but are you going to bring Moonstone back? Or are you going to have Songbird? <laughs> or when's Baron Zemo showing up? And it's like, I actually have ideas for that stuff, but not. So we're doing a mini series here with you know, these characters and we're yeah. setting the table. Like this is this version of the team. This is how they function. And this is how they feature. This is how they synergize off each other. And there's cool potential here. You're going to get a complete unit of entertainment by reading this mini series. And then I'm setting the table and kind of going, and we could do more. Right. <laughs> and in the mix, there's some old Thunderbolt stuff that I'm going to kind of just, just sprinkle in there. And mm-hmm. then, you know, astute readers will be like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then, you know, if we get our chance, I would love to do even more with it. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, so this is the first, and I'm sure it's just because I wasn't reading the solicits, but like, this is the first I'm hearing it's a mini series. Yes. So one of the things that we talked about back and forth was whether or not, like, do you, 
yeah, how do you launch it? What right. do we do with it? And, you know, would I love to just say, yeah, let's just do an ongoing and let, yeah. let her rip versus let's do a mini series. And it's like stuff being decided above my pay grade in terms sure. of marketing or how these things fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got basically I was told you've definitely got five. So let's make those hit as strong as we can. Let's that makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah. If you're told, if you know you can plan for five, then you yeah. can just say we're doing five. And then yeah. Well, and I think one and... of the things that I'm I'm learning more and more because of the nature and the transient nature of of a lot of these series, stuff gets rebooted all the time. You can't hold any powder back. Like you yeah. can't do man, we're gonna do a big secret and you'll be so shocked when we get to issue 18. You're like doesn't work people aren't waiting for issue 18 people aren't waiting for you know they want to be shocked amazed entertained now and so like every issue i'm kind of going in with a gusto and just sort of being like all right we're going to make <laughs> this as fun as we can we're going to make this as explosive and and unexpected or heartwarming as i can yeah. and i am confident enough i've been doing this long enough already that i can continue to do that like I will just keep my foot on the pedal and make this as fun as possible. And yeah. I want six, seven, eight, 10, 12, 20 issues, but I'm going to make damn sure one to five are worth your money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was actually, yeah. Well, one of my questions was about being a limited series. Uh, this yeah. comes out in May. Do we right. have an official release date? Is it like, Da, da, da. I we think should it's... sell the thing. Like, you know, oh, yeah, absolutely. The so the like, first it's... issue is, I think it's going to be the last Wednesday. Yeah, because Devil's Reign Omega is coming out first week of the month, and then we're out on the 25th. Great. Yep, yep, yep. So there you go. Yeah, and we've got it. There is a Thunderbolt story in Devil's Reign Omega. Because they were still finalizing some of those plans, when they did the solicit, it says, like, Zadarsky and Company or something. <laughs> like, there are stories setting up future things. And at that right. point, they hadn't announced thunderbolts yet when they were putting this list together so they weren't sure the exact timing sure. so but now i can say yeah there's a thunderbolt sort of prequel little setup story in there uh cool. that is actually just got final line art in for that it looks amazing i'm really really pumped sean uh, is drawing the heck out of the miniseries he is just absolutely crushing it i love working with that guy like he is so good at what he does yeah and we've worked together on a bunch. We did know, yeah. uh, Pathfinder together way back in the day at Dynamite. Um, then he did two of the fill-in issues of Thunderbolts back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, that got him over on, he did uh, Uncanny Avengers with me. Yep. Then he did an issue of No Surrender. He wasn't even originally supposed to do, but we wanted to make sure the weekly schedule kept up and he just slipped right in and did that. Yeah. Then he did No Road Home. He was one of the primary artists on that. Then we did Champions together. And then uh, Dan Slott stole him away from Fantastic Four, but in all <laughs> the best kind of ways. So it's yeah. amazing to be able to work with him again. He is so good at what he does. And he's uh, we've just got really similar sensibilities, I think, in terms of storytelling and character stuff. Yeah. Uh, I knew I could steal him back. He had just finished on uh, Fantastic Four Life Story. And I said to Tom, I would love to have Sean do this. And he goes, oh, he just finished a team book. I don't know if he's going to want to jump into another team book. It's a lot of work. And then I already knew Hawkeye was one of his favorite characters. So I just called him up and I said, Hawkeye. And he was like, all right, get the pot of coffee on. Like, let's go. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah. Now, now, (laughs) did you pitch the Thunderbolts book or did Marvel come to you and go, 
we're kind of thinking, you know, there's a lot of exposure for Thunderbolts. Should we right. make a Thunderbolts book? Like, because it's it, this is clearly a, an idea that's from your gut. You love this right. thing. Right. This is your baby. <clears throat> yeah. But where does the baby come from? Like, when, so it's <laughs> weird. Like, I had had these. This is a, actually a really good question. Uh, so I got to tell you, the way this thing came about was unexpected in all the right kind of ways. So in any kind of career, you go through these weird phases where you're doing a project, you're pitching a project, you're trying to get attachment on it and things get going. And then you have the roller coaster ride of, of doing the project, finishing it. And there's always this weird moment on the downslope. You're finishing something up and you go, I wonder what the next project's going to be. Uh-huh. And at Marvel, I have literally had overlapping projects for five years in a row. Like there's never been a moment where I wasn't like, where I didn't know what I was doing next at Marvel. And I wrapped up my last issue of Conan the Barbarian. And I, I we had to get done Avengers Tech on very early because Bandai Namco was involved. Uh-huh. There was a whole other level of approvals and the toys and all that sort of stuff. And so for the first time in five years, I didn't know what I was going to be working on at Marvel. And I was like, Oh, oh, is this what it feels like like being let out to pasture? Like I'm done? Like oh. no one's called me? Like it's not like a, you know, depressing or whatever. I was just like, yeah. oh, I actually don't know what I'm doing next. Um hey coach, I'm here. Like, so I sort of emailed CB and I said, I have not told you guys the kinds of things I love because you guys have always brought me something and I've been able to fit you, you guys know my sensibility quite well, you know the characters I like, but I haven't actually said this would be a dream book or this is what I'd like to do. And so I kind of blue sky sent um, CB some pitches and they were all team stuff and like fun kind of kooky stuff. And in every case, CB came back to, Oh, we already have a plan for those characters. Oh, we already have other things. I was like, okay, cool, cool. And he goes, but all the things you're telling me, like, tell me that this is the kind of stuff you want to do you know, Zdarsky has been talking about sort of post devil's reign. There's space for a team book here. I would love to see your take on it. And I sort of went and I was like, oh, that is a lot of the ingredients of the kind of stuff I was already talking about. And then I thought, I don't think there's a Hawkeye book right now. That would be cool. Let's take this. And then I kind of got that idea, this Ted Lasso kind of feel. And I thought that. I love watching that show. I love the feeling that I have watching that show mm-hmm. and the enthusiasm and the joy that it brings. And I'm like, can I, can I channel that kind of feeling <clears throat> in a superhero book? And so I kind of came back to them. It's real. I think they were thinking of it more like a very kind of standard team setup. And I said, I want this a little bit kookier and a little bit more heartfelt. Not that a regular superhero book isn't heartfelt, but like, put our heart on our sleeve a little bit more and then I'm really happy to do it. And, you know, and then we just kept iterating kind of back and forth. And Tom is one of my favorite editors. And one of the reasons why is because he, he always questions, you know, the stuff he's like, okay, I know you're excited to do this aspect of it. Why is the reader excited about it? Or what is going to come across? And one of the things he says that drives him crazy is like, team books that only exist to be the clearinghouse for characters that don't have a, a book. Like, like if if the only reason they're together is because corporate says to use these characters he's functioning like you know Mm -hmm. okay put velcro and stick them all together like that doesn't that's not a reason and so the the new york identity and the post you know kind of devil's reign storytelling that became the basis for a lot of these ideas that i had to justify and sort of put through the filter and the more i was able to justify it 
the easier it got to build the story. You know what I mean? Because yeah. once you have to clarify, well, why is that in there? Does that make sense? If it doesn't throw it out, you know? And so we right. changed up the cast a couple of times in my original pitches and how it would work. And a couple of the characters that were in there where Tom was like, I know you like that character, but that alone is not a reason to put them in. And I had to uh, agree with him. Like at the end mm. of it, I go, nah, they don't really have a place here beyond my own nostalgic kind of wank going on yeah you're right uh -huh. okay you know in some ways a new character would would be better in some ways this would be better this would be a fun more fun dynamic yeah. stuff like that the other thing that i've been doing and we haven't talked much about in any other interviews is um i love and this is a very i don't know if it's a 70s or an 80s kind of marvel thing there used to be more emphasis on the support characters Yes. particularly in solo books but like it wasn't yes peter parker is spider-man he's the center of your book but you got betty brant and you've got gwen stacy and you've got captain stacy and you've got j jonah jameson and robbie and all these other characters yes. and they fill out that world and they make the they give us they humanize the superhero experience absolutely yeah and one of the difficulties i think with modern superhero writing is that there are so many characters it's like both the love stories and also the the dynamics are constantly superheroes bouncing off superheroes it's yes. like celebrities only dating celebrities like yeah there's no one normal left in the world it's all just this avaris of of the surface level of celebrity and you're like yeah. do you know what it's like to go grocery shopping anymore <laughs> do you have any functional interaction with the normal world right and so one of the other things i said was like i want a pretty robust support system because the thunderbolts are part of the government they are answerable to the government therefore someone is literally accounting and someone uh -huh. is doing pr and i want their exasperation to be part of the storytelling that like can yeah. you imagine trying to wrangle the superhero team for a photo op right yeah. or 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 any of those things right yeah. and i think there's something very grounded and real and fun in that and let's do that, you know, as well, because I loved, you know, it wasn't just about reading the X-Men. It was about like, you know, all, all the, what is it like to go to the school and what is it like? And I know they wouldn't do spend a lot of time in the classroom, but there was still that sense of this is a functional place or, or here's, you know, Stevie Hunter, the dance instructor, and she's got an interesting perspective on what, kitty and iliana are going through in in yeah. their mutant you know life or whatever i love that stuff yeah yeah no yeah. I, i've been thinking about that for i i don't remember when i re i recently complained about that where i was like i want i think it's because after no way home i'm like right i'm ready for a movie about spider-man yeah where the b plot is about Lit friendly like, neighborhood spider-man yeah it's about like robbie robertson and his yep. son yep. or like and you, need you know everybody you know, Endgame, Infinity War and Endgame were so phenomenal on this cosmic scale. Yeah. But you, you need to throttle things way back. Like Marvel is about, as corny as it is, the world outside your window or whatever, but it's true. And the feet yeah. of clay that these characters have to feel grounded in our world. And of course, the more you heap the alternate realities and the technology. It becomes harder to remember. Well, what is a regular person going through? And I've been surprised, honestly, it, when after um, 
uh, uh, Endgame, I talked to my wife about this. She's a writer as well, so we'll constantly talk about stuff. And I said, they're going to memory hole all the 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 snap stuff. Like, yeah. they're not going to keep bringing it up because it's going to be such a pain in the ass to keep it in continuity. They'll just be like, yep, and now the world's back. And they keep doing Rip. stuff with it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> ways that shock me. Like, I'm like, oh, man, they brought it back again. Oh, they're still using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, it it heartens me because it's like, oh, they didn't forget. They're now showing what is the ripple effect of this huge event on Earth, on people, on daily lives. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. the more they bring it in there, the more it actually feels like Marvel, strangely enough. And I right. thought they'd just take the easy out. They'd just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we're back to normal. Let's get on with it. Yeah. And it's like, no, they they've talked about how this has affected people and so you know that feels like a very marvel thing to me like to have the man on the street kind of stuff you know totally yeah Yeah. that could be the COVID effect that could just be like maybe maybe in a pre-covid world we would have done that because it's easier because we don't we can't fathom it but now it's like i know how a a global event can impact everyone's lives and industry so like i have a real world example that i can integrate into my fiction yeah, um, totally. Which sucks. I think they were doing it even before the That's pandemic, true. though. They, yeah, they were, right. you know, look at, look at, um, oh crap, I just forgot the the second Spider-Man movie where they go on the trip to Far Europe From Home. And, yeah, Far From Home, where they've got, um, you know, all the stuff about the snap and how it screwed up everyone's school year and all that. And again, yeah. I was watching it and I went, oh my gosh, they're actually iterating on this stuff. This is crazy. Completely. Kind of cool, yeah. you know, in a fun sort of way. Yeah. Um, and so for me, one of the things I loved when I was a kid and you'd read a Marvel comic and even in the Avengers, you know, the Avengers now are this flagship, the greatest team that even though they're called Earth's Mightiest Heroes, I loved some of the real man on the street moments where like a taxi driver's yelling at Hank McCoy or something or right. like, you know, I, that stuff's always entertaining to me. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I've got a little bit of that as well, you know, where Good. characters there's a moment in issue two where the Thunderbolts show up and essentially people are like, no, things are already screwed up. Please don't, (laughs) don't you be here too. Like, let's just, you know, and they're like, no, we're, we're the official superhero team. And they're like, that doesn't mean anything. Like (laughs) exactly. Every time a superhero shows up, like there's huge property damage and stuff gets destroyed and you know, all this stuff. And you guys just leave. Yeah. And then there's a big mess, you know? And it's like, yeah, I think there's something really fun about that something kind of ridiculous in its own merit um the very first time i ever went to new york city i had the most new york moment possible okay all right uh and it has informed and when i look back on those comics now i laugh so much harder because i'm like oh these are real things so what had happened was um I we're stuck in traffic. I'm in a cab and it's terrible, terrible Manhattan traffic. And we're just sitting there and the windows are rolled down because it's like summertime and it's really, really hot. And I look out the window and basically there's a traffic cop about to give someone a ticket because they're parked, you know, illegally or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the person comes running over and is like arguing, please don't give me the ticket. No, look, I'm, I'm about to move. I can't afford a ticket. And they're going back and forth. I'm like, Oh, this is too bad. I wonder what's going to happen. All of a sudden, the this truck driver who's stuck in traffic rolls down his window and sticks his head out the window and goes you give her that ticket you give her that ticket don't let her talk her out of that don't <laughs> don't let her talk herself out of that she did the deed you your taxes i pay your salary and all this stuff and the cop just looks over and goes i give a ticket to who i want to give a ticket you don't tell me who to give a ticket and they start arguing and the person's like you shut up he, she doesn't have to give me a ticket 
And now they're all screaming at each other oh about God. whether or not the cops should give a ticket to the person illegally parked. And yeah. I'm just like, I wish I had the popcorn. Like, I'm like, this is so, <laughs> everyone's being so New York and they're right. screaming at each other and the accent and the like, the, yeah, well, how about you? I pay your taxes. You know, I pay for your salary. You're going to do, yeah. you're going to uphold the law or what? And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I am having the best New York time. <laughs> Please don't drive. Like just right. sit here so I can like drink this in. <laughs> yeah, because where's this gonna go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So great. Oh, that's awesome. That's like and so that's now actually, every New yeah. Yorker, every New Yorker in my uh comics is just like the smarmiest, most oh, yeah. unimpressed. I'm like, oh, it's pure. It's pure stuff. It's great. No, it's true. Living in the shadow of New York and having <laughs> relatives that live in Brooklyn and everything like I, I that is that is that world. It's yeah. like they're not and they don't want to be they don't consider themselves cartoon characters. No, like they're, no they're and they don't want to be treated characters. as such, but they are. So, so like amazing. definitely play with it like because yeah. they will, you know, yeah. Yeah. there's yeah. a great I don't know if it's real or fake, but there's like a TikTok of like a dude who's like, I'm in New York. And then like this woman like actually bumps in and he goes, I'm walking here. And she goes, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> we don't talk like that we don't talk like we don't that, want yeah. that that's not what we do and he goes all yeah. right forget about it like <laughs> just yeah oh, uh, i could say ever, that because i got new yorkers did you but, ever yeah. see uh frank thierry actually did one of those new york comic-con ads did you see those ones he did no. so they did these ads for new york comic-con and it's all like this man on the street in new york reacting to cosplayers <laughs> and stuff uh -huh. and frank thierry literally plays uh you have you met frank the commentator yeah. He's yeah, yeah. he's the New Yorkiest New York guy, mm -hmm. right? And he plays a cab driver, and he's just like in the back. And a Captain Marvel uh, cosplayer gets in the back, and he's like, uh, "So what are you supposed to be like this sort of <laughs> thing, right?" And they have this argument, and at the very end, she storms out of the back of the cab, and Thierry sticks out the window, and he goes, "I like the other one who had cancer." <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> so oh good. God. I know so I gotta watch good. that. Okay, yeah, it's amazing. Write that down. And it's like. I don't Frank doesn't even have to act. He just like talks right. normally and you're like, yeah. holy crap, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's I'm amazing. getting a mammoth play right now. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so one of the things I've been doing is sort of drinking in New York City because I don't just want to do like the the typical uh you know postcard spots. Like uh -huh. I want to have a little bit of that extra charm and like let's show the little bodegas and the, yeah. the corner kind of spots and and tucked away little elements that I feel like are are New Yorky, you know, right in their right. own kind of way, which is which is fun for me. And Absolutely. you know, the Big Apple is the Marvel Universe in so many ways. So you know, yeah, there's a joy oh. to that as well. There's there's something well, and it and it grounds it, makes it real. And for oh, me yeah. as a kid, like I think I was more of a Marvel fan when I was a child because it was so real and because they'd say streets that I knew and I, yep. I'd be in a place that was where that was supposed to be. And I'd be like, this is wrong. Avengers mansion supposed to be here. Right. And so I remember it, official handbook, the Marvel universe, we're bringing this all back around. Yeah. They have that map of Manhattan. And I could yep. think to myself, if I ever get to go, you could I'll go, go to Bleecker street. You could go to, you know, like yeah. all these places where is, you know, uh, Westchester County and let's go to the Xavier school and all that. And you know, it's not there. Right. But you kind of want it to, you want to go just yeah. in case magic happens. Right. Wouldn't that be cool? I, I, something yeah. as simple as, 
you see the visuals of the city in that old artwork and you imagine, you know, Spider-Man swinging between the buildings and the very first time you go to New York and you look up and you go, oh, there are those water towers everywhere. And there are those, <laughs> those you know, low rise and high rise buildings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does feel like a place where a character can perch on the edge of Hell's Kitchen and, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like it, it, it has a very particular kind of feel to it. Yeah. And in some cases, a very particular smell as, as, oh, it, yes. That was the very first time I had ever been to a city. And in the summertime at night, steam rose out of the sewer grates. I was right. like, I thought that was a Hollywood special effect. Right. Like, I thought that was just like a, like a cartoony thing you did to make things seem atmosphere. And yeah. And I really saw it happen for the first time when I was in New York City. I was like, that's. <laughs> This is real? Right. I'm in the Ninja Turtles. This is awesome. <laughs> this is crazy. How did this happen? Like, yeah. I didn't, that the, when the temperature shifts a certain amount and it's cold underneath and fuck, I was like, this is a real meteorological thing that happens. How did yeah. we get here? Uh, yeah. It's magic in its own ridiculous way. And smells like a sewer. Yeah. Oh, incredible. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you went in the summertime. So, yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Oh man, no, I, I interned in the city in the summer, and it was a rough. It was a rough. It was a rough summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. It's amazing. The city's amazing, and and yeah. I'm so pumped to be able to be working on this, you know, and to have the team that we've got to be working with, you know, a dear friend and collaborator like Sean, to have just like just internally and externally, it just feels like a really yeah. fun ride, and and you know, I'm hopeful about how strong we're going to launch with it. And I, obviously I want it to do really well and I want to keep it going. Yeah. But one of the best pieces of advice that I got was from a friend of mine. I don't want to talk out of school in terms of specific names, sure. but it was someone who had done real flagship work at the big two. Mm-hmm. And when I was taught this years ago, I was talking about working on Avengers, no surrender. And uh, we were chatting about it and he just said out of nowhere. And he goes, Hey, I know you're stressed. I know there's a lot on your plate. I was like, and he goes, are you still having fun? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man. No, this is like the ride of a lifetime. And he goes, remember that. Like, remember that. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And he goes, no, no, it's not, of course. He goes, because if it's successful, you're going to get other opportunities and then things are going to be crazy and then stuff's going to start overlapping and you're going to be really, really stressed. And it's easy to lose that magic. It's easy to lose that feeling that this is the best damn job and that you are writing in these worlds, you know what I mean? That that yeah. all you're thinking about is deadlines and all you're thinking about is, you know, the approvals and the stress and the fan feedback and and you forget that there's something still really intrinsically magical and wonderful about it. Yeah. And he's like, it's not to say that it's not a job and it's not to say that it's not stressful at times, but just don't make the stress the job. Like, right still enjoy and if you put joy into the pages and if you put joy into the dialogue and in in the things that you want to see as a reader then you're going to find the readers with the sensibilities that you have exactly you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. well you get yeah. what you give you know that's how, right that's how and goes. so i've always tried to do that with the marvel stuff like i with all the projects i do obviously sure. Dungeons and dragons whatever samurai jack and all these other things yeah. but like because i grew up on the marvel books I was really scared. The first few books I I did, I was just like, am I going to break this? Am I going to screw it up? Mm -hmm. And then what I realized was the more joy I was putting down on the page, the better response I was getting from readers, the better response I was getting from editorial. Like that has to be a priority. And, and, you know, Tom and CB are the kinds of editors who are also like, if you believe in something, fight for it. So 
we would have these discussions about what I wanted to do. And if the first version of it I sent didn't hit the mark, they would question that. Like, well, what can we make better? Or why isn't this? I don't believe in it yet. And it's like, okay, I've got to make you believe. I can't make my editors believe. How the hell am I going to make readers believe? Exactly. Yeah. So that's got to be the task. Like, okay, my first, my goal is to communicate and to entertain. I need to communicate and entertain to my collaborators. And then I got to communicate and entertain to the audience. Right. Yeah. And if I'm not doing that, then go back to the drawing board and either figure out if I need to change or if I need to communicate it better. And that yeah. was the key. Like, why is Clint at the center of this? Because there's a really good story reason and an emotional reason and a fun payoff. And let's do this thing. All right. Yeah. Now they're convinced we're going to do it. You know, that's the, yeah. that's the job, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, Thunderbolts is dropping at the end of May. Pick yeah. it up. Pre-order uh, now. Pre-order now. Yeah. You tell your it. comic shop if you want it. Let me tell you something. As a person who uh, was unceremoniously kicked out of digital comics for no good reason whatsoever let's not get into it but uh let's just say i'm getting more into physicals again uh the pre-ordering thing uh while i don't necessarily uh, like like it it's the only way we know how to sell a book it's massive in terms of the the way that a retailer will respond to it as well if they see a bunch of pre-orders they will up their orders they will make it a bigger priority you know what i mean and and yeah yeah it's it's massive in terms no, of no it's true like how that's how you get your book to continue that's how you get an ongoing series it's just yep. from from pre-ordering for sure um but uh but i got a little a little stack this is on there check it out uh jim what else going on that you want to like tell people about before we head out yeah so i've got a bunch of projects on the go <laughs> and a bunch still to be announced this summer but of what has been an um, so we wrapped up a Dungeons and Dragons uh, uh, miniseries called Mindbreaker. We're doing a D&D annual this summer, which is like a one-shot special. If you've never read the D&D comics, this is a self-contained story. And it takes place in what's called the Feywild, which is like this kind of wild, crazy uh, uh, space where it feels like almost anything can happen. So it's like big, whimsical fantasy. I'm super excited about that. Um, I've got a story in uh, Moon Knight, um, Black, uh, White black and blood and yep. that is coming out in i think that's the fourth issue i've got a story in there which i'm really excited about obviously moon Knight's on everyone's mind and uh it's amazing to be able to do that stuff now i'm trying to track through my brain has anything else been announced that i'm yeah. allowed to talk about because i <laughs> i don't want to spoil stuff here there's a bunch it feels so insane right now in terms of, oh i just wrapped up uh life of wolverine so that was a marvel yes. unlimited um digital series what we did was like there's the uh, uh, X lives and X deaths of Wolverine that Ben Percy did. And there's a lot of time and continuity jumping around. So the idea was let's give readers a real solid baseline for what Logan's history is, which meant I read like over 300 Wolverine comics uh-huh. and uh, had to sort of pin, okay, these are crucial moments. This is how this stuff works. And then try and pin certain aspects to the slippery Marvel timeline. So certain events, like obviously World War II is World War II, but then how does this stuff all fit in the middle? And, and in what order do these things have to have happened in? Yeah. And and cleaning up some of the uh, the threads between this stuff. Like one of the things we cover is there's a lot of past stories of Wolverine where he doesn't use his claws because in the original, they didn't, they didn't have the bone claws, <laughs> yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I managed to find ways to justify and make those things all fit. So all those stories function and there's an incontinuity reason for it. And yeah, it's just 
really dorky stuff like that. That That's was, awesome. uh, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. I got to work with this great artist, Ramon Bach, and we'd worked together before on one of the Figment miniseries, actually. But he's done a lot of uh, um, superhero stuff as well. And and uh, Mark Basso is an amazing editor, and he gave me this crazy task. It was really funny because when he sent me the project, it was like, hey, we want to do this timeline of Wolverine. And he had put together like, I don't know, maybe 20 bullet points of key events that had to happen. And I mm. quickly glanced over the email because I was like traveling when I got the email and I emailed him back. I thought he was giving me a list of things I could pick and do a story. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, I do World War II. That's cool. And I sent it back to him and he goes, emails me, he goes, no, Jim, it's all of them. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh, no. Like, oh, that's a lot. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think I'm up for that send me a lot of pdfs this is right take a while you know <laughs> yeah so uh but it was a really cool challenge and it was really fun and it was neat to dig back into some of the stories that i had read when i was a kid but hadn't read recently yeah. like the kitty pride and wolverine miniseries yes great miniseries i had not read that in decades mm -mm. and just going back and sort of going oh right so that is you know in between these other stories and here's that's a huge sort of evolution of kitty pride's character and all these other elements. I was like, oh man, I remember really liking this. And now I know why, like, yeah, it's neat to sort of look at, at those things in the rearview mirror, you know, and oh, to reread some of those stories. And now particularly where I read and I go, oh man, like, what can I learn from this in terms of the way those stories were told or what effect they had on me as a reader, you know? Yeah. Big time. yeah. So yeah, that was a really cool project and that's all available for free as part of Marvel unlimited. That's all the stuff I can talk about right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we'll have to come back again and talk about the next uh, round of stuff that you can talk about. I'm uh, thrilled because because uh, I'm hyped, man. I there, it's funny you mentioned as we wrap up. There was a, you mentioned there was um like a, a story in our conversation that you had touched upon off mic in the last time you came by. Right. And I was like, this is the story that came <laughs> about because you couldn't talk about it. You were like, I That's can't right. talk about what where it, where it's going. But this is like this lesson I learned. And I'm like, this is the story you learned. So everybody, read like viewers, you got the yes. story some off mic conversation <laughs> because we were able to talk about it for real so it's true you know, yeah out. and when, the next time i come on we do have to talk about this 18 year old pitch that is uh, i can't wait deck, man, man. It, that is the weirdest the weirdest sequence of events and i'm so pumped to be able to bring it out and then be able to thread the needle and just go hey sometimes this is also why by the way real quick piece yeah people will ask me all the time what would you have done? So they'll say, well, what would you have done if you'd have continued Thunderbolts after uh, Secret Empire? Or yeah. what would you have done if you'd have done a longer run on Champions? Or what were your plans for fill in the blank for whatever character? Yeah. And I never, ever want to publicly reveal that stuff. And the reason why is you never know. You never know. If yeah. I have said this 18-year-old pitch and just been, ah, it'll never happen. Here's this cool idea. It never would have happened. It just would yeah. have floated off and been dead. Or sometimes, you know, you 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 use different parts of the cow, man. Like sometimes there there are there's two missions that we did in Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. Mm -hmm. They were from my original Thunderbolts pitch. Oh wow! Because when I pitched the man on the wall idea, there was like, well, what kind of threats could the Thunderbolts be up against? And one of the threats I had was. Uh, in there was the idea I wanted to uh, uh, bring back uh, the live wires, that crazy old Adam Warren thing. And it was okay. like, remember the live wires? Those were <laughs> weird, you know? And it's like, oh, this could work as a Black Panther in the Ages of Wakanda thing. I think this is totally valid, you know? Yeah. And so that's the kind of stuff that you just hold it in reserve. You never know. Maybe no, it's true. 
and 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 god knows there's so many parallels between marvel and dc even if it didn't happen at marvel it could yeah translate it yeah so you got a ball or daredevil pitch Eh, i could use that with the other for another street level superhero somewhere you know i'm i i wonder i mean it's crazy now because zadarsky's writing both daredevil and batman Batman. you're like dude you're doing the the street level duo that everyone you know like imagines how do you not cross pollinate like how do you not how do you keep those two separate i'm going to be really curious to see how he's able to do that same Yeah. yeah uh all right, so there we have it. Uh, go to uh, jimzub.com if you yeah. want more. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you guys next time with another episode. Thank you so much for being here, Jim, and for y- lending your insight. And we'll see you guys next time. Take it easy.